1: Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Clubhouse Ambassadors Corner. So today we have... Barbara Fitzgerald and she will be interviewing Sergio Germano. Hi Barbara, how are you? Hi Leica, I'm wonderful. How about you? I'm I'm wonderful too. And oh, so, before I dive in <laughs> to the questions, I wanted yes. to introduce you first to our audience as, a, you know, as a refresher because you know, we kind of miss you, so we want to introduce oh. you again. <laughs> so, we're going to talk about you first. Okay. So, So Barbara here, um, she has a career of nearly two decades in the wine industry. So she specializes in D2C marketing and business development. She actually talked about this on our podcast interview first with Victoria Cheche on The Next Generation. And then that's where it started. And then we started talking about it. She started talking about it more um, on wine to wine. So, our wine to wine sessions, um, the recorded sessions are already out. So, we're just trying to publish it every week. So, your session is going to be on Italian Wine Podcasts. So at some point, so I will let you know. (laughs) Anyways, Barbara, she led roles from entry level to senior management, combining her extensive experience with data analysis, critical thinking, and storytelling while driving revenue growth and brand recognition for California wineries. She's part of the fourth generation of an Italian-American family among the California wine industry pioneers, and she has spent her life around wine growing, production, marketing, distribution, and hospitality wow okay that's a lot and you are very very talented I suppose oh, like uh, two kinds don't don't make me blush <laughs>
0: okay okay
1: I will not so I will just dive in straight to the questions so why did you select Sergio Germano as your favorite producer for tonight
0: um, well I have always really appreciated how Sergio and the Ettore Germano wines really strike the balance between honoring the heritage of the area, they're from Barolo, Mm -hmm. but also bringing innovation to it. Um, And so Sergio's is like really incredibly curious and experimental in both wine growing and wine making. And so And also, people probably know him most well for making wines from Barolo, but he also makes fantastic Altalonga sparkling wines, and I'm here for the sparkling wine.
1: (laughs) Wow, okay. That's a different angle, I think. So, for now, we only have a few audience, but I wanted to actually um, say hi to Nicoletta Pala. She was our producer. She has been interviewed two weeks ago by Russ Lorber, so I'm so happy to see you here. Also, Edward, Elena, Julia, and Luis Our second question for you, Barbara, is what are the learning objectives that we should be expecting from this interview?
0: Well, I hope everyone learns about um, Sergio's specific approach to making Nebbiolo, because as I said, he's very experimental and very curious. Um, both in the vineyard and in the cellar. I also hope they learn about his specific approaches to making wine in in Metodo Classico, the the classic method for sparkling wine, and also learn about some of the other grapes he's been experimenting with in in the Piemonte area.
1: Okay, so my last question is, how
0: did you discover the wines of Ettore Germano? I first discovered them at Tre Bicchieri in San Francisco. I think it was in 2015, Um, and they, his wine just happened to have very good representation in the two places I spend the most time, which are California and Italy. So I come into contact with them very often. And in fact, I was just in. Italy for two weeks on a work trip and I was at a restaurant in Firenze and a couple next to me ordered a bottle of Ettore Germano and then the same thing happened to me again in Milano. So definitely people are out there loving his wine and drinking his wine.
1: Yeah, that's that's a funny coincidence, probably. <laughs> You're meant yeah. to do the clubhouse now yeah. because you've tried once. <laughs> okay, so I am going to turn over
0: the floor to you. Okay. Okay. Well Sergio, are you are you there? Hi, I'm here. Hi. Well, thank you so very much for making the time to be here. Um, it's a pleasure.
2: It's almost <laughs> evening here. And, yes. You know, the end of the day.
0: If I have the timing right, you probably have the most epic sunset happening uh, in your beautiful hills there in Serolunga. So I'm going to give a little background about you, your biography, and then I'll start asking you some, some questions. Pleasure. Sergio was born in 1965, and as a child, he helped his parents in the vineyards after school, so he's always been in the, in the Barolo area. After finishing his analogy studies in Alba, he worked for three very important wineries in that area, um, all the while continuing to help out his father and contributing to the conversion of the family farm to a full-fledged winery. So in 1988, the first 5,000 bottles of Barolo, Dolcetto, and Barbera were placed on the market together with a small production of Chardonnay, but the turning point really came a few years later in 1993 when all the family's grapes were vinified and bottled for themselves. So in 1995, Sergio bought about two hectares of Ceretta vineyard and started the challenge of producing wines in Altamanga, uh, planting the first vineyards of Chardonnay and Riesling in Chile. In 1997, he married Elena Bonelli, who given great support to the, to the family winery and uh, helping Sergio with business administration as well as hospitality. And then the family grew even more with the joy of the birth of their two children, Elia in 1998 and Maria in 2001. Um, and then continuing on after a few years, Sergio purchased another hectare of uh, vineyards in Prapo. Lazarito and Pradone, which is a a particular parcel of of Lazarito, and also another parcel in Ceretta. So these, um, for anyone who doesn't know, are all crews of Barolo. Um, In 2010, Sergio's mother inherited from her cousin, Tommaso Canale, half of a hectare in the most historic and famous vineyard of Sera which is Vigna Rionda. Sergio's goal is to express the territory and the character of the various vines, trying to express elegance and finesse in the wines, which, as a Piemontese tradition, are generally combined with gastronomy. So, what a great background. We're so lucky to have you here to learn all about this. Sergio, can you tell us a little bit about, in your own words, maybe, about the history of Vittore Germano and and how you came to... To be in charge?
2: Yeah, uh, of course, uh, Ettore Germano, my father, was the the first full-time uh, vine grower because before, my grandfather, my grandfather, they run a mixed farm, uh, traditionally in our area, but my father feel the potential of the viticulture, and he planted all the estate with vineyard, was the, the classic uh, grape variety from our region, Dolcetto grape, Barbera grape, and Nebbiolo grape. Uh, but he sold the grape. He was the uh, winemaker because he doesn't have time enough. Uh, he was so passionate about vineyard. He was very skilled grafter. He select uh, all the kind of grape uh, to graft uh, himself in our vineyard. We still continue with this uh, selection. And we are proud to do, have this in our red uh, uh, grape varieties. And uh, in eight, 1985, when I finished the school, I definitely have a dream to do some bottle of wine. And we start in 88 with some, as you, you're reading uh, my biography.
0: And now, so that was in 1988, how many bottles are you making now?
2: Speaking American uh,
0: <laughs> slang,
2: it is almost 12,000 cases, uh, 13,000 cases.
0: It's fantastic.
2: Now we run uh, 22 hectares. There's almost uh, 55 acres of vineyard. In the two farms in Seralunga, almost 25 uh, acres, and uh, Langa in Chile almost 30 acres.
0: Fantastic. So let's get really, really into it now. So how do you manage your vineyards to ensure the quality of your grapes and what sustainable practices do you use in your vineyards?
2: Fortunately, as I told my father, is uh, it was a very skilled and very passionate and respectable wine grower you don't need to use any uh, stranger, but uh, just uh, work with uh, tradition. And what I like is uh, from my grandfather, my father, I can learn the really interesting, uh, or all, all our uh, historical practice to work, to respect, uh, all the character of every corner, every slope, every exposure, different. And this is important to you know that, uh, to to manage differently because uh, a little bit more early, uh, by break or uh, maturation or later, more sunny, more windy, and this is a very very important because it is possible to manage to save to keep some more treatments. Our goal is the respect, respect for the area, respect for ourselves because we live in the area, of course. Uh, uh, respect of the customer who drink our wine or who come to enjoy the area where we work, where we live. Sustainable, of course, is is a respect. Uh, we 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 follow. I don't like to categorize my my uh, image in this, but uh, we follow the, almost the the organic protocol, but uh, with uh, some more deeper uh, character to do it here uh, by here to manage uh, with flexibility. Uh, what we do to have a best result in the quality and to respect the vineyard.
0: I really love that. That's it's Sustainability is a, is a circle of respect. Um, that's a very nice way to put it. Climate change is presenting a particular water challenge in the Lange. So how, if at all, have you adjusted your farming in response to this?
2: Again, it's important to know everything, to uh, don't... Uh, uh, work too much to don't turn too much the soil. It's important uh, to do the herb between the row to cut uh, regularly to have uh, the control of the herb. We see the herb as a green manure because you have a double goal to uh, fix the nitrogen in the in the soil, but also to keep uh, the soil open. But after we cut the grass and they do like a cover on the like a towel on the on the soil. Just to protect the evaporation of the soil and to help the life of the of the soil, and it's important. Also, we have the herb. If we, if we have a rain, uh, we can catch all the drops uh, from the rain as possible. Even if we are in the very particular area because the slope is deep and the soil is very uh, clay and The risk of erosion is very, very important. We have to protect also the vineyard from the erosion to keep the, the morphology of the soil and after to catch the water uh, and to put in the soil more more as is possible to make the reserve of water.
0: And green manure, I learned from you when I met with you last week, <laughs> that is what we would call seed spreading right? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Okay,
0: fantastic. The terroir, you were already kind of speaking this, but the terroir of Barolo can change significantly from row to row, not just from one vineyard to the next. You happen to make wine from some of the top crews of Barolo, and can you explain some of the specific characteristics of these sites and how they might affect your wines?
2: Oh, yeah, it is uh, the most important, the most fascinating character, because uh, we have the what people say terroir is the interaction between the soil, the environment, and the man who manage this. But uh, Nebbiolo is uh, a detector, is one of the most sensitive gray variety to catch the character of the soil especially. And the soil of a Barolo area is uh, made uh, five to 10 million years ago as a sedimentation of the water from the sea, this is very intriguing because it depends from the current of the water. Uh, we can have uh, some more uh, fine texture like Saralunga, where we live, where we work, uh, or maybe a little bit more sandy or little stony. If uh, it was a little bit more uh, movement of the water and more more young five six million years. Uh, for this reason, in the sedimentation, we have uh, some different uh, sometimes because. Uh, after that, we had like an earthquake to move a little bit uh, after the sedimentation uh, almost uh, 10 million years ago. And this uh, makes the difference from the slope, from the altitude, from the top of the hill, a little bit uh, medium. Uh, and this is what is very intriguing to work in this area, to select, to share, to devise, to wine, make the wine uh, separated from many plot, and we have a different expression of the wine. And this is one of the mostly intriguing and uh, fascinating character. And this is the sense or where we have some time uh, we are close by, nearby, and they have a relatively different expression in the nose and the texture of the tanning. And this, is, I think, for the wine lover, is one of the most important characters to taste from the same producer. Different expression or from the same hill with some different producer. A little bit uh, character different it is, it is a very, very fascinating.
0: Yeah, it means there's so much to explore. I mean, there's so much to explore in wine, period, that even within this one region, it's... So varied. How would you say wine growing really differs in Barolo from Alta Langa in terms of soil type and pruning and green harvesting and canopy management?
2: We we have to say the the soil like uh, in Barolo area, as we told, is uh, mainly limestone, uh, mean uh, clay reaching uh, calcium carbonate, uh, sometimes a bit sandstone. Very few stones. Very high pH, uh, high concentration in. Uh, uh, calcare that give power, texture. Alta Langa is also higher elevation. Uh, uh, lower Langa, Barolo area is uh, till uh, 1300 feet, uh, more or less is the, the limit of the altitude where we grow maybe all over is Barolo, Barbaresco area. Where we go in uh, Alta Langa, uh, we are maybe ter- um, 20, 30 kilometer uh, of the south, more close to the mountain between then separate Piedmont and Liguria and the mountain was uh, made a bit more earthquake more uh, movement and also the sedimentation was more chaotic and we have uh, more stone we have a lot of sandstone and stone in Altalanga and the altitude is between uh, uh, 15 to uh, 1,500 to 2,000 feet in elevation. And this changed totally the microclimate, the climate, the temperature. And beside this also the, the composition more uh, light in a term of uh, texture, uh, it changed the character. Uh, but uh, we do two different kinds of uh, growing in Barolo we grow Nebbiolo grape mainly. In Altalanga, we, I grow white varieties as Pinot Noir, Chardonnay for sparkling in Altalanga, Riesling and Chardonnay for still wine, or Nascetta, the indigenous variety originally from Barolo area. And these are wine where I look for more finesse, more crisp and uh, saltness and minerality and freshness so like uh, lower sugar. Uh, in Barolo, we need more power and more concentration. This is the main difference between those two. But we do the the same management in the in the growing.
0: Interesting. And just for a point of reference, how far is Barolo from Altalanga?
2: Beginning of Altalanga is just uh, five, six miles, but uh, right after is uh, till uh, 30, 40 miles. Altalanga is a big area.
0: But Chidia is, where is that in relation to Barolo? It's
2: almost 30, 35 miles okay. south.
0: So let's talk a little bit about now some uh, of your wine making. So during the harvest of Nebbiolo, do you prefer to keep the fruit whole or crush the berries for more extraction? And do you employ any whole clusters at all?
2: I need to say very important for me. I like always to crush the berries because I think it's important the juice become wine in contact with the skin, It to extract the tanning and the color because I think it's important with uh, just uh, uh, the, the grape uh, not, not crushed. I think the fermentation is for some reason more uh, difficult to manage and also sometimes doesn't express entirely the character of the grape variety. Sometimes we don't distem the grape, but we always crush because uh, for me it's important during the maturation too. Of course, uh, we are from Seralunga. Lunga is typically uh, an uh, Terroir where uh, people expect the power, tanning, and texture. And for this reason, I like to respect uh, this personality of, of the wine from Sera Lunga.
0: And that's, I think, one of the things that makes you so interesting because you you so well combine the, the heritage... With, with all of the, the newer things that you're testing out. And sticking with making nebbiolo, do you prefer the fast, warmer fermentation that's more classic barolo, or do you prefer a cooler, slower one? And do you use open or closed-top fermenter?
2: We do the fermentation not too fast because we do fermentation and maturation all together is very long. We do minimum 35, 40 days. And uh, for some selection or the single vineyard, our reserve we do through 50 or 60 days. And for this reason, we don't need the fast fermentation and high temperature. I prefer to do medium temperature. Long contact is interesting to extract step-by-step step the complexity of the wine.
0: Yeah, and do you do open or closed top?
2: We do open uh, till the fermentation. And after when we start the matura- uh, maturation because the fermentation is gone and the carbonic gas There is a slowdown. Uh, We close the 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 tank,
0: and that's amazing. So sometimes up to sixty days on your on your single vineyards, yeah, that's incredible. So with some of the changes in fruit chemistry, especially in recent years, how has that affected your decision to use indigenous versus selected yeast strains? And what about you know, what do you think about malolactic strains?
2: I never liked the spontaneous fermentation because. uh, Spontaneous fermentation is uh, the same uh, like uh, when we need an uh, helper, an employer. We don't do any test uh, to check him, but this we bring the first one we met in our uh, road, and we never know if this guy has a high performance or. Uh, He doesn't like to work. For me, it's uh, much more important to express the varietal character in the terroir to ferment with uh, selected yeast, but neutral. I like when the yeast transform the sugar in alcohol, but I think it's important they respect. It's almost the same like uh, the yeast uh, to ferment the sparkling in bottle. They don't have to give the aromas of fermentation they have to just change the sugar in alcohol. And in this case, we have a more neutral character from the yeast, and we can appreciate the character of the terroir, the more hearty, more fruity, more spicy, or uh, the regular fermentation. Especially now with a hot temperature, uh, the spontaneous yeast is always more a uh, another to, to trust the, the spontaneous fermentation. I prefer uh, to control this.
0: And that's probably why your wines year after year are so expressive of the of where they came from and the grapes. So why do you choose, people don't know, you choose not to use barrique for Nebbiola wines and why do you choose to do that? And do you find that some crews perform better in different size aging vessels as compared to others? Well,
2: I think uh, it's important always to manage uh, in terms of extraction or evolution the tannins because the tannins, are very important in the setup of the wine and the complexity of the wine. It's important to give a taste, but it's important to be round as is possible. I don't care about the quantity of the tanning, but it's important the quality of the tanning. And this is the reason why we are always more focused in the harvest with very ripe tanning. And after the long maturation on the skin is very helpful because if we do short maturation, we have more tanning, more aggressive tanning. If we do long maturation on the skin, we have the evolution during the maturation. And when we rack the wine, it is much more refined and more complex and more deep. And after is not necessary to have a small size of uh, oak because I think the oak, the main goal of the oak, the barrel is to give uh, the oxygen to help the tanning to be more round and more silky. If we have a good beginning of the tanning, is it not necessary to have a small size to have more oxygen to involve the tanning? For this reason, we are. I always like a minimum seven hundred liter, but more and more because the global warming helps the maturation of the tanning. We have a large barrel, like 2,000, uh, 2,500, 3,000 liters because they can have a great uh, maturation of the oxygenation, but they keep also the freshness uh, of the fruit and uh, of the wine.
0: Yeah, and it shows in your wines. So mm-hmm. you were already telling us a little bit about your sparkling winemaking when we were talking about the yeast strains, but can you tell us a bit more about your approach to making your Altalango wines?
2: This was uh, one of my dreams because I'm... Uh, I did a school of a winemaker, school, and of course I was always passionate, fascinated from the different kind of winemaking. The reason why also I like to try to make a, a white wine, still white like uh, Chardonnay, or also like Riesling. But the dream was also the sparkling because the sparkling champagne with the double fermentation is uh, very intriguing, and and I like the wine. I had. I, I like uh, I drink uh, a lot of champagne in my life, and I always like to try to make a sparkling myself. But I never take the hazard because uh, before wasn't wasn't an appellation, and I I judge myself not enough a big winery uh, to have a power to promote also sparkling. But when I feel the Alta Langa appellation becoming the market in uh, end of 1990, uh, I decide to try also myself because. Uh, an appellation is an expression of terroir. I consider myself a uh, man of terroir. And for me, it's important to challenge also this. Uh, obviously, I'm Barolo producer. I don't need to forget. And I'm happy when the people don't forget. We are big, primary Barolo producer. But I have also other passion in my job. And for this reason, I decided to try also to make Spark in Champenois and because it was an appellation. Of, and Langa is this uh, recent, uh, the first vintage of Langa is in 2002, and uh, I, I had my first release in 2003, just uh, 1000 bottle, very, very small uh, quantity, because the vineyard in Altalanga grow very, very slowly. I don't had a lot of uh, grape, but after I was, uh, I feel the, the character of the area, I increased the plantation, and now we own more than five hectares of uh, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay to make Altalanga. This is uh, what I like because Altalanga have an expression very particular, and he uh, has a lot of personality between the and Champenois.
0: Yes, and how long typically do you stay, keep the wines on the leaves?
2: Oh, the Alta Langa uh, rule are very, very strict. I think it's the mostly restrictive uh, protocol because minimum for to call Alta Langa is. Uh, 30 months from the tirage t- 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 to the disgorgement is mandatory and always another particular to make unique the appellation is the uh, vintage because it has to be always with vintage like all the Piedmont is wine Barolo, Barbaresco, Barbera everyone have a, the vintage in the in the in the label every year also Altalanga is mandatory this and this is very interesting because it's a particular and it can justify also of course it's expensive to make altalanga and the reason why people have to understand this is a potentially high level of wine.
0: But it's great because it really allows for people year over year to understand the kind of very vintage variations while still kind of getting the through line of the terroir and the, and the, Absolute, and the grapes
2: themselves. Absolutely. The, the, the goal of altalanga is not to have every year the same expression like many, many other sparkling in the world. But a more particular uh, difference between every every year. That's great.
0: Italian Wine Podcast brought to you by Mama Jumbo Shrimp. So you also make um, Nebbiolo into some sparkling wine with what you green harvest. So how does this grape? How does making this grape in Metodo Classico differ from Alta Langa?
2: As as the people uh, say, I'm an experimental man. Of course, I like to try uh, many many kind of winemaking. And uh, after six years uh, to start to make Altalanga, I decided to try to vinify the the green harvest, because we do the green harvest of the, the Nebbiolo for Barolo uh, quite late, in the beginning uh, of September. And uh, the character of the grape, almost uh, good to have a good alcohol, 10, 10.5% and uh, a lot of acidity. And I, I did in uh, 2008, the, my first experiment in 2009, the second one to, to check what's happening And uh, after I start to share with some friends with some customer, and of course uh, they feel uh, interesting wine, very different than Pinot because we can have a, a, rela- a relation between uh, Pinot Noir and, Char- and, and Nebbiolo in the red wine, Pinot Noir is always more uh, velvety and uh, Nebbiolo is a little bit more rustic. In the same uh, side, uh, when we do sparkling, Pinot Noir is more uh, elegant, more refined. Nebbiolo has more personality in aromas, and a little bit of a touch of tanning. But this is a character, the reason why in, uh, in Nebbiolo sparkling, we, we make, uh, we, we respect the primary fruit. We don't de- need to do too long, uh, stay on the leaves, just uh, 24 months but a uh, no dosage uh, the same like uh, the alta to have more to to can feel the brightness of the petal rose and uh, and red fruit uh typical from Barolo, harvested very early.
0: So you mentioned that you do your green harvest pretty late in September, but is that typical for Barolo or is that more your decision? Oh,
2: it depends. It uh, depends. This is uh, what I said before, the personality of the wine is from the personality of the wine grower, the winemaker. Some people uh, can do the green harvesting uh, mid-July. I prefer to go, but this is also because we are a small uh, wineries, and we can do that uh, in a few days. Uh, very late, it, we can take out the less mature uh, grape, and we keep the little bit more complete on the vine to help help the maturation more. Uh, and we can also manage more with more character. Because we are closer to the the harvest and we can uh, see or we can check the evolution of the weather or the potential of the vintage.
0: Yes, you have a kind of almost a better idea of the direction of the vintage at that point.
2: Is it different? Is everyone can do a different way, hey, yeah, but we like yes. that.
0: So I'm going to shift my questions a little bit now, more to the the sales <laughs> side of your of your job. What would you say is the breakdown of sales for you between direct sales, domestic, and and international?
2: We don't choose the, the market. We try to do our best, and we welcome everyone to taste and buy our wine. Actually, we have almost fifty percent, forty five percent Italian market. We sell almost 10% direct in the seller for the private uh, uh, customer with the visitor, with the people from uh, the tourists, tourists and wine lovers, especially. The rest is almost 20% in US and the rest in uh, North Europe uh, and a little bit in Asia.
0: And so you say you don't really go out and search for, for people. Does that mean people are coming to you to open up markets or you're just happy with the way no, the markets
2: are going? in term, I don't... Uh, Decide, like, I we, I need to do more in Denmark uh, or more in uh, Sweden. Uh, okay. We are here as so we can we see, try yeah. to find, especially the good uh, uh, professional uh, and consistent partner uh, client to believe in our uh, philosophy and our small winery.
0: So, you mentioned that you sell about 10% of your wine directly out of the cellar, which is a pretty great. Um, number So how have you seen EnoTourism and direct sales grow over the past five years?
2: Yeah, we saw a big increase, uh, obviously, after the declaration of UNESCO. Of course, it was a little bit breakdown from the COVID, of course. But after COVID, uh, we had an explosion of visitor again uh, and uh, more and more f- for the restaurants, for the wineries. Uh, for the tourists, is is nice to see a lot of people to run, or, or to ride in a bicycle uh, between the vineyard, or you know, in the top of the hill, uh, to ring a door, to taste the wine, uh, to go in the restaurant. It is really, really an increment, very important. Uh, even uh, we consider uh, twenty years ago, twenty five years ago, we had uh, two two and a half months of tourists, maybe three, from travel exhibition. in uh, October, November and a little bit a month between around the Easter in spring. Now we have almost seven, eight-month uh, tourist. And this is very, very interesting.
0: Yeah, that's really great for yeah. the area. I didn't put this question uh, down in advance to you, but I am so curious, because you're a native of Piemonte and of Barolo specifically, I mean, can you talk a little bit about how you've seen it change from since you were a little boy to now?
2: Uh, yeah, of course, it was a big change. We, we are, to be honest, I'm almost 60. And when I was child 50 years ago, The area was uh, very different because we had almost all mixed farm. Nebbiolo was maybe 30% of the production of grape. The rest was Dolcetto and Barbera because there was more people to drink wine every day. And Barolo was not uh, popular like today. Fortunately, after the Big revolution uh, after methanol scandal. Many wine growers stopped to sell the grape and start to make wine themselves. And we passed from uh, 40 to 400 wineries. And this is very, very interesting for the market, for different expression, to relive the area. Also to give more personality, more uh, interesting uh, to catch the attention of the people. And uh, in the past was quite, we can, we can say re- poor, but was not easy like now. Now uh, with the wine uh, help very, very much uh, beside the tourism and the restaurants uh, to increase the wellness of this area.
0: Yeah, and maybe even 30 years ago, it was still pretty poor, right? And now yeah, like, well, it's this beautiful UNESCO site that the world wants to visit?
2: It was not uh, like today. It was unsure more. Also the climate was a little colder. It was not uh, easy to have a perfect maturation every year. If you see the calendar of the vintage of Barolo, uh, it was uh, one uh, exceptional and uh, really good uh, each three, four years. Now we have every year a good uh, quality, good potential. This is very, very good. Also, The climate change, but also the professionality of the people, everyone has increased the knowledge. All the family have uh, maybe son or daughter to do a knowledge at school, or they have uh, increased the the character of the work and they are more professional.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic.
2: They did, a was an hard work from everybody, but uh, we had a good result.
0: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, so back to a little bit, well, sort of on the same line with a little more history of the area, but you are working with. Uh, some other autochthonous grapes from Piemonte. So can you tell us what they are and about your trials with them?
2: Well, uh, we work, uh, of course, with Barbera. We stopped to work with Dolcetto. In Alta Langa, I start to grow Nascetta, the indigenous variety, uh, originally from Barolo area, also very intriguing for me, especially because I'm passionate about uh, white wines. I like to challenge myself in uh, winemaking, in white uh, beside the the Barolo. And uh, I think uh, uh, Nascetta is a character interesting and also is Barolo area. And it's good to keep this story. We do now the experimentation, I hope in a couple of years, it will be totally authorized. Authorized is a rat is another, uh, indigenous uh, variety originally in, from Altalanga. Very acid, very good to make sparkling. And this is the reason why I like very much, but I will try also to do still wine. And this is uh, interesting.
0: Will the DOC of Altalanga allow you to blend that or does it have to be specific varieties? Now
2: we have to think about, we have to ch- uh, check the experiment to judge uh, what is the result.
0: And are you one of the main people experimenting with it, or are there other people?
2: Actually, there's just me with a a colleague, uh, but he do only the growing of the grape variety. And I make the wine. And um, now also the University of Turing, they do the official experimentation of 30, 40 bottles here, just to finalize uh, the authorization.
0: And one more time, can you repeat the name of that grape?
2: The grape is called in our uh, region, the Lisey Red. It is the Mm -hmm. evolution of the... Or the Gouet. The Gouet Blanc is the father of many grape varieties from Europe. Right? Chardonnay, yeah. Riesling, Sauvignon.
0: Yeah. So, speaking of Riesling, I also had the opportunity to taste your Riesling, which is fantastic. And you mentioned that this is one of your favorite grapes. So, I want to know how you developed your passion for Riesling, and do you think it has a future in Piemonte or Alto Piemonte?
2: I have to repeat uh, <laughs> my my personality yeah, I'm uh, fascin- what when I, I'm fascinated from something I try to make or I try to experiment and when I start to travel uh, in Europe, uh, in Germany, in Austria to show the first battle of my Barolo, I Tasted the reasoning and it was fascinating, and uh, I decided to try to make a few bottles. So the passion increased. So when I find the area in Alta Langa where uh, the character of the weather and the soil feel for me more interesting to make white wines and sparkling, I decided to try to do this, and uh, I'm happy people recognize the varietal character because it's my first goal. It was funny because when I started to make Riesling uh, it was not really popular in Italy. After I discovered it was uh, three producer from Lange to start to grow Riesling uh, almost 30 years ago. Now of course it's a little bit more trendy because some producers start to grow but I think it's important uh, with uh, Riesling uh, to grow in fresh environment and for this reason it is important to have altitude.
0: Absolutely. And have you been opening any of your old bottles of Riesling, I should say, because I love aged Riesling. So I'm curious to know where where it's heading, what direction it goes.
2: I opened just yesterday night uh, with some friend in Ancona, uh, our Riesling 2016, but we opened also a few months ago, 2009. And of course, I have to say for the cork, do a good job, because of some time people can make a good wine, but after the cork, have too much oxygen in the wine. But anyway, I feel the potential of a very good aging of in from our area.
0: Well, I can't wait to see its, its progression. We actually have a question from somebody who's in our audience, a member of our IWA community, John, and he wants to know, have you seen the international markets embracing varieties like Nascetta or is it mostly for for local production, local consumption?
2: I think we have a uh, very, very good advantage because uh, Nascetta is uh, born from Barolo area. For this reason, many producers of uh, Nascetta, they make also Barolo. Many of our know, uh, or buy the Barolo, but they try also Nascetta. For this reason, I feel uh, also we have a group, uh, like it's not a consortium, but is a, a group of uh, producers of uh, Nascetta. We do some event, and we watch some uh, with some international journalists. I have to be honest, I'm very happy to see, considering uh, it's less than half million battle of production on Asheta in total. Many people, uh, especially in US or also in uh, North Europe, they know Ascetta. Of course, in Italy, is a little bit more uh, developed the market, but uh, I'm surprisingly, I have to say, uh, many 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 foreign people know nashetto
0: so yeah so you're saying there's already kind of some brand recognition among the producers so people are willing to to try even a variety maybe they haven't heard of yet yeah
2: because they have more opportunity of course
0: yeah we have another question from another IWA community member. His name is Luis, and he wants to know, well, he comments that they actually do very well with Nascetta in the state of Florida, where he resides. So do you have distribution in Florida?
2: We have a distribution in Florida, yes. We have an importer based close to Miami. He imports uh, some Nasheta, import Alta Langa, imports uh, Langa Nebbiolo, San Barolo. And reasoning.
0: Yeah, well, this is very great news if you live in Florida. <laughs> okay, back to Barolo more specifically. How do you see the future of, of winemaking in Barolo and what challenges and also what opportunities do you foresee for small producers like yourself?
2: Well, I think uh, a winery like us uh, is the majority in the area, it's the most representative uh, in terms of number of labels to do the direct management of the vineyard and uh, winemaking. And uh, I think what we have to do or what we can do is uh, continue to respect, uh, to do everything to protect and respect the, the vineyard to continue to have a strong and deep personality in our wine because it's the unique way to characterize what we do.
0: And I think it was really interesting when I was with you last week that you said, you know, a lot of people talk about how how is the next generation gonna change Barolo? And you said, you know, there's not, we don't have to change it just for the sake of change. You guys have figured out how to do some things really well and then there's also the opportunity to be curious and experimental like you have.
2: Absolutely, I think it's important to be curious To be contemporary is not necessary to do big changing. It's important to be adaptable to the the situation to growing up. It's important to never follow the trend style, but to continue to keep the character of what we do, because we have a classic.
0: Yes, a singular place for for making Mm -hmm. wine. Exactly. We actually have a follow-up question from Luis about your Riesling. So back to your Riesling. He wants to know, how does it compare aromatically to German Riesling?
2: It is possible to recognize uh, well the character, the varietal character. The Riesling from Piedmont is always a little bit more powerful because we have more full body. Because we have limestone, limestone is soil. so in the German, they have more uh, stone And the wine is more lean. We have a little bit more full body. The reason why it's not necessary for us to have a lot of residual sugar. We do just three, four, five gram residual sugar. And uh, aromatically, it looks uh, sometimes more like uh, Austrian and a little bit uh, from uh, Falso or from uh, midterrain.
0: Interesting. And you also mentioned that the reason why you keep residual sugar is more for the preference of, of your consumers, right?
2: No, it's not for the consumer preference. It's for... The varietal character expression because Riesling is very important to keep just a few, two, three grams of sugar. The expression of the variety, the aromas of Riesling is much more explosive. If it is completely dry, the aromas is a little bit more compressed and incomplete.
0: Ah, Okay, thank you for clarifying that. So I think this is a very, very important question because we are all Italian or fans of Italy. What is your favorite Piemontese food and wine pairing?
2: (laughs) This is an interesting (laughs) question because uh, I repeat what I said you last day. I always uh, don't like too much the classic uh, suggestion from. uh, the old school of Barolo pairing, because with boar, wild rabbit or something else is uh, absolutely uh, too much marinating, too much aromatics, too much spicy meat, too much uh, cooking, and too much wine, and he lose a little bit, uh, he cover a little bit the aromas of, uh, uh, I like when it's just a uh, medium rare red meat, just uh, in, on the grill with uh, maybe just uh, with kind of salt. In the top, uh, because the ore, one of the most interesting, and I learned this from uh, some uh, uh, wine dinner uh, when I travel in some restaurant in the US, and they paired the pasta, the tairing, the egg pasta, uh, with uh, white on, uh, on red ragu, uh, because the starch of uh, pasta and the texture of the Egg pasta is very interesting, but also the delicate uh, sauce is very respectful of the primary fruit and the character of uh, of the, the Nebbiolo.
0: So we should we should do away with Nebbiolo and red meat all the time and try something a little more exciting.
2: <laughs> we can we can start with the pasta and finish with the red meat. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> Those were all the questions that I had for you, and we got some great questions from the audience. I'm not sure if you have anything else you want to talk about.
2: I think uh, I talk too much. I don't have any. No, not
0: at all. (laughs) You know, I do have one more question because you're so so curious and you're so experimental. So I want to know if you have any new experiments in the works that we didn't talk about or maybe even any varieties that you want to experiment with in the future.
2: I have to be careful because my children, unfortunately, they uh, like to start to involve in business with us, uh, with me and my wife. They said some years ago, Dad, don't do everything. Keep us to do something in the future. And I think it's important to respect uh, together the idea to take uh, some idea. My son, he would like to try again to make dolcetto. We stopped five years ago. Now, I don't know if we do that uh, soon or not, uh, or uh, my daughter likes to increase the nascetta expression, even we do in Amphora for uh, 10 months. But the last uh, wine I will put in the market, uh, uh, it will be in Rosé de Sagne, now it's in production, but we never disgorge it, now it's five uh, harvest, we do that. And uh, I hope I will... uh, release uh, in the end of the year or the next spring or the 2025 but i think we have a lot to do i would like to come back in the image also to barolo producer and not only experimental man with many sparkling and many white even i believe in everything what i do
0: absolutely and it's really commendable to be able to do all of these different wines so well in a way that is so expressive so it's one of the reasons why i fell in love with your wines. so complimenti <laughs>
2: Thank you very much. Grazie. Oh,
0: abso- absolutely. And I did want to mention one more thing really briefly that you are so fortunate that both of your children are very much uh, want to be involved and to carry this on forward for with you, for you. Yeah,
2: it is, uh, I think the hardest experiment in my life to start to work with my children because <laughs> it's important <laughs> to to share the idea to have uh, more. Uh, I start uh, with myself and after with my wife and. I do almost what I think uh, without control. Uh, now we are four people to share the idea, and this is a, I like very much because it's one of the best satisfaction of uh, uh, the parents to have the children to follow uh, the job. But it's also hard to to work together. But uh, is a, is a, is the mostly challenging uh, situation. And I like to do that.
0: And your daughter is working harvest in Australia right now, correct? Yeah.
2: Yeah. She's in Australia. For uh, three months, it will be. We'll come back in uh, end of April.
0: Well, good for her. Australia is a is a wonderful place too.
2: Yeah, it's a uh, funny <laughs> uh, day by day. Now she's tired but happy to have this experience. Is this
0: her first harvest, or has she done harvest with you? I'm sure.
2: Yeah, she did uh, her first harvest after graduated in 2022. Last year she did uh, harvest in Burgund in Burgundy in uh, 2023, and now. Here And after she said, no, after I will stay home to work. OK. <laughs> and, uh, and the son, uh, he is very, very happy to work in the vineyard. And after he travel around, it will be two weeks uh, in uh, Nebraska, in Iowa to promote wines.
0: Yeah, that's the beauty of, of making wine. You can sit in a tractor in the hills of Barola one day and the next day you can be across across the planet selling wine.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what I did all together in myself uh, yeah. till, uh, some years ago. But, uh, well, again, I
0: want to thank you so much for your time and your knowledge and your expertise. It's been such a treat to to talk to you and to learn more about the area through you. And, and again, just to celebrate how fantastic uh, your wines are.
2: Hi, uh, it's, it's me. I'm thankful <laughs> to you to give me this opportunity. Apologize for uh, all the people who heard this interview for uh, trying to understand my Piedmontese English and uh, my expression very particular. But uh, I hope uh, if they can travel in, uh, in Lange to visit us to you can taste the uh, wine directly in our testing room or to see the vineyards and everything.
0: Absolutely. Where can they find you? Can they book online? Should they email they, you? They,
2: they can go on the website and after they can email us uh, is a form to book the testing or uh, they can send an email. We can give uh, all the information uh, about uh, what we can do.
0: That's wonderful. Well, I hope lots of people go out to find you. I was just there actually last week and I can I can vouch that it's one of the most beautiful places I've, I've ever been.
2: <laughs> They'll be very, very well. <laughs>